began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the Spiders Talk podcast. My name is David Blair. I am joined by Enzo Tamanini and Callum Stewart. And week one in the 22-23 championship season is over. We have had our away game to Inverness. We're here to discuss that today and also discuss as well as looking forward to our first Friday night game in View this week. It's already been a week, only a week since we last spoke, but there's been plenty of news for Queen's Park. A lot of stuff in the transfer market that we're going to have a little touch on and see what we think of there. Um, lads, let's not mess about. Let's get straight into it. Let's talk about the Inverness away game. Now, the two of you were fortunate enough to get along to the game on the supporters bus. I, unfortunately, uh, could not be trusted as I had a wedding to go to on the Sunday and I knew that uh, I would take it too far. So first things first. The first time we've been to Inverness as an away game for 12 years, how was the day out? Oh, it was very good. Very good. I have to say, I thought Inverness's stadium was excellent. I mean, I don't know if it was aided by the fact that um, it was a very nice day. Uh, so I was able to cut about in shorts, but very scenic stadium, um, good pitch. Food was decent. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> how I would like to be there in the winter. Feels like it would get very, very cold. Um, but no, a great day out all round. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. So I was at that last game you mentioned there, David, when we played Inverness. I believe it was back in 2010. That's we right, played yeah. them in late July in the League Cup, and I think we lost 3-0 that day. So yep. a slightly better result this time. I think the stadium itself is all right. I think it would probably be better with a bit more of a crowd in. I was a little bit surprised and disappointed by the home support, to be honest with you. They were quiet. It was... Uh, wasn't, wasn't a massive attendance. I, I don't know what it actually was officially announced as. Felt a little bit soulless, but I do, I do feel as though, you know, it's, it's a decent enough setup they've got up there. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed my day. Good stuff. Well, let's have a look at what happened on the park and how that, certainly for the most part, contributed to a good day. So, yeah, so our first starting lineup for our first championship game this season, we had in goals, it was Callum Ferry. We had the back four of Jake Davidson, Lee Day, Charlie Fox, and Tommy Robson. We had the two centre mids of Liam Brown and Jack Thompson. We had Josh McPake, who making his first start after coming in uh, to the club last week on the same day that we played Hamilton in the Cup. Uh, Josh McPake on the right, Dom Thomas on the left, and you had Grant Savory in behind Simon Murray. Now, I don't think there's really any surprises in that lineup. That's probably our strongest lineup on paper. Would you agree? I think it was a fair lineup, and, and ultimately, you know, you have to say fair play because it, it got us the result that we were going up there to, to achieve. I do think that some people were slightly surprised that Kildee came straight back in. Um, obviously, obviously he took a knock, and, and that's why Bannon started against Hamilton last week. And, and I thought, you know, it, it wouldn't have been too outrageous to, to, to keep him in that centre-half position, considering how well he played. But I think you do also have to, you know, I think his, Kildee's experience when, when you're facing a, a good team like Inverness is, is pretty invaluable. And to be fair, I thought he was excellent. Slightly concerned by the fact that he ended up going off injured again at the end. It looked as though he took another knock yet again. I mean, how many times is that now that, that we've seen that from Cody? The only other slight surprise to me was actually Thompson starting. I thought we would have maybe started with Jarrett, but I can understand that they offer slightly different things in the middle of the park. And when you're playing against a team like Inverness, you're likely to going to you know they're going to try and take the game to us. Then maybe in that sort of scenario, Thompson is the better choice. Yeah, I thought the lineup was pretty fair. Um, I think did Thompson get subbed at? At half time for Jarrett? He did, that's correct, yeah. 
Yeah, I I think it was pretty much what I expected. I'm really pleased to see McPake start. I think um, when we seen that he signed and after the the game the previous week, I think we were all hoping that he would come in and, and have a game. And I thought he'd done pretty well. Obviously, the, the, the sort of downside, which David, I'm sure you'll touch on as you kind of go through the game, he did miss a couple of one-on-ones, but I think that will come. There was so much to be positive about um, in terms of his tacking prowess, um, he's running at players, taking guys on. I think that will just help us drive us forward a lot more um, than, than what we've seen previously down that side of the pitch. No, you're right. He did, unfortunately, have a couple of really good chances to to get a goal. Uh, it didn't quite fall for him to, uh, on Saturday for whatever reason. But let's let's have a look at the game because as well as McPake's couple of chances, just in general, in the first half, in the first 45 minutes, Queen's Park were probably the better team. Uh, I think when you go back and you watch the highlights, I was also, because I wasn't at the game, I was listening to uh, the BBC Sports Sound You know that they do on the Saturdays. And now that we're in the Championship, we get prime coverage so there was somebody there commentating on our game and giving updates as well it seemed like there was a lot of, a lot of efforts on goal from from both teams but the majority were Queen's Park and it took us about less than a minute I believe and Simon Murray almost went straight up the park from kickoff and had a shot on goal yeah I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that you know we, you said it yourself that we were the better team in the first half I think we definitely were I think we probably could have been out of sight by the time Inverness came back into the match and that is my one slight disappointment about the, the game on Saturday, if I'm being completely honest with you. I feel as though if we'd been a little bit more clinical, then you know three points would have been in the bag by half-time. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not going to complain too much because I do feel as though getting points on the board early doors was probably Coyle's objective, going up to play against arguably one of the two or three best teams in the division. So overall despite the fact that we maybe didn't take the chances as well as we could have done, it's difficult to, to grumble too much. Yeah, and it was it was really different to the game against Dundee in the, in the Cup, because in that game it felt like we were very much holding on and you could see the quality was a bit above us. Whereas in that first half especially, like we just looked like the better side all across the pitch. We were attacking well, holding possession. Inverness looked a wee bit sort of toothless trying to get up the pitch. Um, so it was it was good to see. And I, that's what I was hoping for more than anything. I was hoping to see a good performance. I was hoping that we would look competitive and like we sort of belong in this league, if you know what I mean, which we did, which we did, which was really good. It definitely was, yeah. And well, let's talk about the Queen's Park goal then. So it was Jake Davidson 12 minutes into the game. Now, you talk about being clinical, maybe taking those little snap chances, those little half chances that come to a player. Um, it almost seemed like the Inverness defence were inviting Davidson on to to have his shot and goal. So he picked the ball up, I don't know, it must be about 30, 40 yards out on the right-hand side. And he just kind of ran diagonally towards the goal. And it doesn't look like any Inverness defenders particularly bothered about putting a tackle in. Let's him right the way through into the box and he, he gets a sort of toe on, toe on the ball and it slips under the Inverness goalkeeper Ridgers maybe the keeper will be saying that he should have done better there but his defence didn't help him at all gave Davidson the chance we went 1-0 up and although it was still early in the game it was fully deserved it was yeah and, and as you say he just kept running at them you know he picked up the ball out on the right hand side and he was inviting the pressure on you know the, the defenders were were kind of parting for him as, as he moved through and, and I just, I don't understand why nobody stuck the foot in. You know, if I were an Inverness fan, I'd have been a little bit frustrated at losing a goal like that. And I think I think the defence was was really poor. And I actually think you can put a bit of the blame on the goalkeeper. I think he should have done better because it wasn't a particularly great shot either. You know, it's not as though he, he absolutely burst the net with it. It, it trickled across the line. Um, it, it went underneath him. And I think 
overall, from an Inverness perspective, probably a really disappointing goal to lose. It was quite funny, actually, because as soon as we scored that goal, I heard uh, Enzo revising his league predictions as he started shouting, we're going to win the league, we're going to win the league. So He <laughs> was running down the stairs to join in the players' celebrations. There's a, re- a really good shot of Enzo just on the, 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 the Queen's Park highlights, running towards the players from behind the barrier. Aye. Yeah. Uh, I think he was a, a wee bit excited. It continued on as well for the for for the following thirty minutes or whatever it was, and <laughs> oh yeah, a wee bit pear Well, it was. I mean, for the rest of the first half, right the way up until they scored just before half time. We will come on to that in a moment. But there were a lot of good chances again created by Queens Park. Simon Murray had a couple of long range efforts, and I think when you look back at the highlights. You, Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and when you're watching it up from from the camera, it's much easier than when you're on the park. But you notice that a couple of those, those chances Murray had, Grant Savory was running, making a good run in behind him, and he was looking for the ball back. Never got it. He was a bit disappointed. I think if somebody's not told Grant Savory to be prepared for that when Simon Murray's got the ball, he's he's very unlikely to pass it. He's going to take his shots and. Well, unfortunately, on Saturday there, it didn't quite come off for him. But on another day, it could well have done. But we kept creating those chances, kept making those moves. Uh, Thomas and McPaik looked really handy out on the wings, looked like they were getting really involved in the game. And let's then Link, talk about the first one-on-one for uh, McPaik. He gets you know, he gets himself through a couple of the defenders, gets right on, on, on top of the keeper and just kind of a really sort of tame effort and right straight down the keeper's throat. It, disappointing there wasn't it it was a wee bit yeah but the, the, there is lots of positives to take from it you touched on Murray at the start there I thought Murray had a bit of an interesting game because he did miss a few chances and you could actually see after the game he was he was a bit raging to be honest um, but he did do a lot of really really good stuff in this game including that through ball for McPake I think that was the first one where he passes it sort of around the side of the guy McPake just gets in front of him and when he's one on one with Rodgers Um but yeah, I think on another day McPake scores those. Um, he he made the space for it. He was a lot more direct than what we've seen before. I mean, you bring that in with Thomas as well, who I think had his best game in a Queen shirt so far. Um, he looked like a different player to what we've seen previously. He was taking guys on, he was getting by them. He had that sort of tricky element to him. I think there's a lot to be excited about, um, despite the fact that we did miss a few sitters. Well, you mentioned um, Murray's involvement in that first McPake chance. So I think what I think what happened was Murray picked the ball up in the middle of the park and he gave it to Thomas, who just he played a pass right through the middle and he cut Inverness wide open. Um, and as you say, maybe the shot itself probably wasn't as as good as McPake. You know, he, he probably feels as though he's capable of doing better there. I, I don't know what you think. I feel as though. He should have maybe even tried to dink it over the keeper or maybe even had time to, to take it past him. I'm not 100% sure because there was a little bit of space. Maybe he didn't have to shoot with his with his first touch. I'm not 100% sure. But as you say, lots of positives, definitely. Lots of positives. And um, you mentioned Murray, his contribution on Saturday. I think Coyle himself said it in his, in his post-match interview. You know, Murray was a little bit disappointed at the end. And we did see that, that frustration, that uh, almost anger. But... I think you know the important thing is he's getting into those positions. Do you know what I mean? And and the chances are that we are creating those opportunities, and he'll take. We, we've always we've always known this about Murray. Listen, right? Maybe we got a little bit excited when he scored those three goals down at Strunar. Strunar are nowhere near the standard that we're going to be playing against every week. And and the chances that he comes by are going to be a little bit tighter. He's going to have to be quicker, and and he will get goals. He'll miss chances as well, and that's all right. 
you know, obviously, we would, ideally he wouldn't, but he will get goals. He'll, he'll chip in with a few goals. I've no doubt about that. Um, the other chance that Murray had in the first half that really stood out to me was the one where uh, Davidson picks the ball out wide on the right-hand side, cuts it back to him, um, just kind of just kind of run about the penalty spot, I think, and he puts it over the bar. I felt as though Murray could maybe have done a little bit better there. Maybe he could have lined the shot up a little bit rather than, you know, it, it looked as though he was trying to get it away as quick as possible. I don't know, he was being closed down by the defenders. But overall, I, listen, I think Murray, yeah, he didn't score, but I think he had an all-right game on Saturday. And you also mentioned Dom Thomas too. For me, that was his best game in a Queen's shot so far, but by far. I thought he looked excellent. He was he was my man of the match. No, I mean you're both absolutely right. There were a lot of positives to take from the game, and and as well as you say, you know, it's particularly with Simon Murray, but even just this Queen's Park team in general, we create the chances, the goals will come, and we've seen enough from this Queen's Park team. Even when we perhaps struggled against Dundee a bit, obviously during the cup and the game against Hamilton, maybe one isn't as great, but this game against Inverness, who again, let's not forget, they finished third. In the championship last year, they went into the like the promotion playoffs and gave a good account of themselves up until the very very last game. But they were they were a very good team last year, and we did not look as if we're the team that just came up, you know, finishing twenty odd points behind the league leaders from last year or anything like that. We competed with them very very well. So yeah, there is absolutely positives to take, but we're going to have to come on to talk about the negative of the first half, which was of course the Inverness equaliser, uh, just a couple of minutes before half time. When you look back at the highlights. Again, being critical, being overly critical, perhaps. Uh, Charlie Fox gets beaten for a header, sort of on the edge of the 18 yard box. I'm not sure who the Inverness player is that sort of runs in front of him and, and gets the ball. Uh, but he certainly doesn't look, when you see the height comparison, even as Charlie Fox goes to chase him down, you, you wouldn't expect Charlie Fox to be beaten there. So he's definitely going to be disappointed with himself there. The ball's cut back into the box. Uh, Davidson tries to clear it and unfortunately gets pretty much none of the ball and a lot of fresh air and just guides the ball right into the path of uh, Billy Mackay who doesn't doesn't miss from 18 yards out and unfortunately despite all the good chances and all the good football that we played we went in at half time level yeah and I think when we talked about our previews and we, we mentioned Inverness Billy Mackay was the, the one that we, we touched on he's such an experienced player you give him those sort of chances um, and he's he's going to score unfortunately I think I felt a wee bit sorry for for Fox. I mean, he did he did lose that header, but I think that was the one out of the ninety nine headers which he seemed to win throughout the the rest of that game. The guy was was absolutely brilliant on the whole for the rest of it. Obviously, a bit of a a fluff from from Davidson. Maybe that's maybe that's an interesting one to sort of touch on a wee bit. What did you think of Davidson's performance overall? Because I thought it was very split in two. I thought going forward he was great. Obviously, he scored the goal. Um, he had the cutback for Murray, which which potentially should have been a second. But I thought defensively he had quite a few lapses this game. Um, obviously, that one led to the goal. He got done quite a few times by Inverness's number 17, who I thought was really good. Um, I think that's another Mackay, Daniel Mackay, who's on loan from, from Hibs. He's only 21 years old. He looked very, very tidy, great on the ball. And he was kind of just running at Davidson for a lot of the game. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. I thought Davidson looked... Very good going forward, but maybe that is kind of a, a side effect, of, you know, um, of the fact that he's not he's not a natural right back. Do you know what I mean? He's been used in that position, but I don't think that's where he would have been expecting to play coming into the the first team squad. I, I don't know. I feel as though isn't he more of a midfielder by trade? I think you're right. I think he's played more midfielder, defensive mid, centre back before rather than right back. But yeah, that's where he's been played for us recently. 
Yeah, um, I, I just want to touch on what you were saying about Fox, though, Callum, because I thought you're right. That's probably the only thing that he, you know, the only thing that he did wrong all day, and and unfortunately it did lead to the Inverness goal. But to me, he, I thought he was fantastic. Honestly, he looked like a he looked like a proper leader. And when we did concede that goal, he was very frustrated, very disappointed in himself and in the other guys around him. Um, and I, I stand by my comments from the very first episode we did, where I said that he's going to be one of the best defenders in the championship this season because he just he doesn't look at he doesn't look at all out of place. Davidson for the goal, yeah, he doesn't connect with it properly. I mean, he had the right idea. It's a shame that he didn't connect with it properly. Probably should do a little bit better. But a, a guy like Mackay is not going to miss a chance of that, and he finishes it really well, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's the best chance that we gave them in that first half because a lot of their pretty much every other shot that they had was from well outside the box. I think that goal was, as I say, it was about 18 yards. Maybe it was just inside the box. So we actually did do pretty well defensively in that first half to to restrict them and and what they created as well. Uh, unfortunately, the second half they did kind of grow into the game a little bit more, and it was. If I'm being biased, I would say it was a lot more even. I think maybe you would say Inverness probably had the better of the play, but we still created a lot of good chances in the second half. But at half time, there was a substitution made, and we did take off uh, Thompson and we brought Jarrett on, which uh, Calum, I believe it was you, you said it at the beginning when we were talking about this game. Uh, you know, you maybe would have expected Jarrett to start. Yeah, I, I I think he offers a wee bit more. I'm 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 wanting Thompson to do well, but I'm just not sure what role he's meant to be fulfilling. If it's that sort of defensive midfielder role, sort of make the tackles, get the pass away, I, I'm not sure it's that effective right now. Um, whereas Jarrett, when he's been in, he seems to be quite good at getting in about guys as well. He's he's not shy to to go in for a tackle, but going forward when he gets the ball at his feet, he links up a wee bit better in my opinion with with Savory and Co. Um, but another interesting one, which which I'm curious to get your thoughts on, is kind of Liam Brown and how you thought he done on Saturday, and perhaps where he fits in a wee bit longer term. Um, and maybe we'll touch on this later about um, players that were potentially signing. But he's obviously still been sitting in that defensive mid role. I thought he was a wee bit lax at the weekend in terms of his passing, his distribution, and there was a few challenges where he just he just came off second best essentially. Do you think? that he has got a long-term future in the starting eleven as we currently stand, because I'm struggling to see if we were to push him further forward who would take out the team, because I don't think it would be Savory. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and it's something that I was actually considering um, when I was you know when I was watching the highlights and, and all, all day on Saturday. I don't think Liam Brown is a defensive midfielder, and I don't think that role suits him at all, and it doesn't bring out the, the best in him. And... The issue is, as you say, who does you know? If we want to play him a little bit in a, in a slightly more advanced position, who does he replace? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's it's tough because the other guys playing a bit further up the up the park have been pretty excellent so far. Even you know Thomas on Saturday, like like we like we touched on earlier on, it was his best game so far in a Queen's jersey. I don't, I don't know what to do. Like if I were on Coyle, I wouldn't know what to do with Liam Brown, Liam Brown right now. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult. A difficult decision for him to make. This seems like we've now almost got too many players that you're trying to fit in as maybe as that attacking that, that sort of traditional number ten role. As you as you say, Angel, I think Savory has came in and has pretty much nailed down that that jersey for himself. So when it comes to a player like Brown, who was obviously signed a, a, last year or a couple of years ago, rather, obviously we paid money for him. You know, the first player that we we paid a transfer fee for and everything there. So he's obviously going to be one of these sort of building blocks of the team. But it just so happens that another players came in and it's almost shunted him out. And it's it's rare for us to 
to sort of see that and, and how we deal with that because as well it seems like he is he's, he's a square peg in a round hole at the moment and that's defensive midfield or that sort of deeper midfield kind of role and you're absolutely right I, I agree with you it doesn't really bring out the best in him there unfortunately I have a bad feeling with this system that Coyle was trying to implement at the minute I have a bad feeling that as the season progresses and it may be sooner rather than later Brown is actually going to find himself on the bench I think you could well be right with that Andrew I mean he does have to compete with Grant Savory who has came in and as I say has came in and already looks like a, a very very good player and if he's not going to keep up with um, with Savory then yeah he's not going to get ahead of him in what looks to be his his best role uh, as that sort of number 10 but we'll move on and we'll talk about the rest of the set or the, the rest of the second half the rest of the game um into the second half we did have uh Callum Ferry made a good save from uh, Billy McKay again I think that was about 50-55 minutes into the game. And then we had McPakeley's second one-on-one. This one, he sort of runs through. I think he runs for about 20-30 yards. And he's got a couple of defenders around him. And he takes a sort of... It's like a lovely little... He almost fakes the shot. And instead of... He brings his leg back. But instead of actually hitting the shot, he just kind of knocks it round the defender to give himself the space. It's a great little bit of skill there. But then again, unfortunately, it's just the, the finish lets him down. Yeah, and, and Murray was involved in the creation of this chance as well, actually, because he is, there's a bit of a turnover just outside our box. Murray picks it up and plays the ball through to McPake, who's roughly on the, the halfway line, I think, at that point. Yeah, yeah, and and, right. and, and, he, and he works up to, you know, as you say, you described it perfectly there. So uh, as we as we talked about earlier on, Murray maybe himself didn't contribute in the way that, that he would like to, but he was certainly involved in plenty on Saturday. And that was a disappointing one for me. I actually thought that was a little bit, little bit more disappointing than the first one. I feel as though McPake really should have scored this one, but hopefully it will come with time. The thing is, I, I don't know. I don't know if maybe in the past, maybe McPake wasn't used to finding himself in quite so many goal scoring opportunities. Maybe he was more involved in the creation of these chances for other people, and he's just he just kind of needs to get his, his you know to get to grips with the fact that he's going to have opportunities himself too and, and practice. You know, the finishing that that we didn't really see from him on Saturday. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I don't think it's fair to to keep dwelling on any kind of negatives because we've we've already spoke about how well he played in the first half and, did, and yeah. even for the rest of this game here as well. So, I mean, Calm, do you would you say that? I mean, McPake definitely looks like a positive addition, and he only played well. You know, it's only his, his first start for the Queens there, so he's still getting up to speed. He's still getting used to everyone. As Angel says, maybe he's not used to actually find himself in the the central role, but. As time comes, he's going to get more use of that. He's definitely got goals in him. He's going to be a good, he's going to be a really positive signing this season, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's one of the areas where we can clearly see that there's an upgrade on last season on both wings. Now, we've seen what um, Thomas can do. We've seen what McPake can do. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot more effective. I think it's quite funny when you, you sort of reflect on the Inverness game because the first half, we were objectively the much better side. We had a whole host of chances that we should have scored. And then the second half, it felt, Inverness very much felt like they were on top of us. But even when I was going back through the highlights, and you just mentioned it there, Enzo, there really wasn't much for Ferry to do. He had one, that good save that you mentioned, David, from from Mackay. Aside from that, everything else that he'd done, you would expect him to do. There wasn't anything particularly outstanding that he had to do. And the best chance of that half was McPeak. Um, so despite the sort of pressure that we absorbed in the second half, we still should have perhaps came out of it with a with another goal up. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Uh, overall, for me, we still had the best chance of that half. Even though Inver- Inverness 
had a bit more of the ball, looked a little bit more threatening than what they did in the first half. I, I feel as though the best opportunity still fell to us. Uh, you touched on the save from Ferry. So one thing that we've mentioned in, in previous episodes we've been when we've discussed the, the kind of goalkeeping situation that we've got at the minute is Ferry's distribution from the back. What, how do you feel he did on Saturday, Callum? Uh, <laughs> not, not the best. I think it's still pretty obvious that it's his weakest, the weakest area of his game. Um, the guy's a very decent goalkeeper, good shot stopper, but his distribution is, generally speaking, pretty poor. I feel like that's the sort of thing that you should be able to work on. I mean, the guy's only, t- what, 24 years old, um, so you would hope that it would be better. But I thought the, the rest of his game was well. I thought it was noticeable that we'd done a wee bit better on corners at the weekend. At the start of the game, they were, uh, Inverness were trying to lump them on top of Ferry. They had like eight guys standing around them. Didn't really get anywhere with it, so they swapped it up a bit in the second half. Um, I thought we were dealing that with that a lot better. But yeah, I still think the distribution's a weak point. Yeah, it's something that you have to hope, as you say, Calm, that it can be worked on and you've got to hope that it does improve because he is a good goalkeeper and he is the num- he's got the number one jersey, so you've got to expect him to be the starting goalkeeper going forward. We may well come on and talk about a little bit of transfer news that may well affect that position. But as it stands right now, as a given that he's got the number one jersey, you've got to assume it's going to be him between the sticks for, for most of this season. Um, but we'll move on and talk about the rest of the second half. So uh, after that McPeak, uh, the second McPeak one-on-one, uh, we had a, a couple, well, three substitutions made in the space of about five minutes. Uh, young Alex Bannon came on for Davidson. Uh Legal day, as, as you mentioned at the beginning, Calm went down injured, so Naismith came on, and Simon Murray went off, and and, and Scott Williamson also came on. Um, we, we mentioned it very briefly at the start, so we'll just talk about it briefly again. I think it was yourself, Enzo, you mentioned it. You know, it's this is not the first time that we've seen Legal Day go down injured during a game. Uh, I don't recall seeing, um, even from the highlights or anything like that. Uh, you know what exactly happened when he went down do you recall or was it just one of these ones where he's clearly felt something and, and unable to continue well it's difficult it's difficult to say because it happened at the opposite end of the park from us um i, I don't really know what happened I, I i'm not i'm not totally sure but yeah unfortunately it seems to be you know cool day for one reason or another it's just it seems to constantly take these little knocks and, and niggles and you know, all these short-term injuries. I mean, last season he was out for a, a, quite a long period of time and he came back and he, afterwards he, he looked great, he looked fitter. But, you, you know, you, you have to you, you have to be slightly concerned by, by the consistency at which we've seen him have to go off for, for these injuries. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just praying that this isn't the start of, like, last season's downturn in terms of injuries because it just felt like every week, anytime somebody went down, it was a... Out for three weeks, out for four weeks, um, whatever that may be. And obviously Davidson going off as well. There's two guys that you kind of want to be available. Um, but I suppose the, the flip side of that is we've seen Bannon have a, a good game last week. I don't think he had the best game when he came on for Davidson today. He had a pretty, he had a bit of a sort of a moment. Um, he, did, where he, he did at the very end, yes. Uh, he passed it. He passed it backwards. Inverness guy gets in, and then Naismith, who came on from for Kildee, showed his experience. Fair play to him. He took the smartest yellow card you'll see. Just pulls a guy back, knows exactly Brilliant. what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, draws a foul, and nothing <laughs> comes of it. So the, the, there is a, a a plus side to to an old head in that respect. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. It was one of the best yellow cards I've ever seen. I think um, I really enjoyed that at the time, and and it's the kind of thing that, as you say. 
that's not something that you're going to get from a 19, 20 year old. They don't, they don't necessarily have the experience to know when and if to use that sort of thing appropriately. Do you know what I mean? And and he, he knew, you know, that stage in the game, it's, there's value in him just taking the yellow card, and it was, it was good. No, you're you're both absolutely right. It was a, it was a really smart move by him. Um, we have maybe spoke before about, you know, wondering at this moment in time what he can bring to the team. Certainly, that kind of, yeah. That street smarts, if you will, and knowing when to do that and how to get away with it as well, because you're absolutely right. A young maybe Alex Bannon. I don't want to say that he would do this, for example, but if he was chasing the guy back, maybe he would have slid in. Exactly, you know, yeah. you know, maybe maybe it would have been a more dangerous tackle or something. It could have been worse than a yellow card. But Naismith knew exactly what to do. Just grab the guy's shirt, slow him down. And I don't think he wanted to let go. <laughs> it didn't look like it looked like he stretched no. quite a bit. He was not letting go until the referee was right up beside him to make sure that he definitely got that fill. It was yeah, it was it was a really smart move by Naismith and probably despite the fact that we did absorb uh, a lot of pressure and we still created a good few chances ourselves, which we'll come on and recapture right after this. Um that probably saved the point for us to bring it back down the A nine. So yeah. Uh, well done, well done, Jason Naismith for that. And um, I mean, yeah. it, it makes you consider maybe that's maybe that is going to be his role in the team. Do you know what I mean? To come off the bench towards the end of games, take yellow cards off, and then take, drop the <laughs> <goal>. <laughs> I guess ended sooner rather than later if he keeps taking yellow cards like that. But you know what I mean? You know, an experienced defender that can come off when we're trying to see a result. I see a result. Obviously, it was one each at the time, but it was a positive result. And he came on and he did. He did have a, an impact. And and do you know what? Like we we talked about this before whether maybe he's come in and he's, he's not really met the expectations in training and that's why we've been seeing him play for you know young QPN games and maybe he'll be involved in the reserve games and stuff like that, I have no idea. But I, like, I, I could see him coming off the bench quite often this season in, in scenarios like that and, and fair enough. That's a couple of times he's came on at centre-back as well, isn't it? Because I'm just thinking yeah. of the sequencing of the substitutions. So when Because Davidson came off, I think, at about 72, 73 minutes. And that was when Banning came on. So obviously at that point they would have had the option to bring Naismith on and they chose not to. And then I think it was just like five minutes later when Kilday went down and that's when they uh, they brought on Naismith at centre-back. So I don't know if that tells you anything about the, the hierarchy because Bannon's been on at centre-back the previous week and at right-back, both ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, the, the centre-back one, to be honest with you, the... The, the substitution in the game through in Hamilton doesn't. I think it's difficult to read into it because I feel as though we did see some some kind of odd changes and some and um, you know Coyle trying some some different things across those four matches. But I think it might also the fact that he came on in you know in the centre half position rather than the right back position maybe says a bit about his pace or lack thereof. I suppose because he has looked fairly slow. And maybe you know as long as he's not getting turned too often, and then maybe he is better off in that more central defensive position. Yeah, it could well be. And, and as you say as well, Callum, it, it, purely the pecking order, I think obviously the, the club have high hopes for, for Alex Bannon and given that he can fill in at multiple positions clearly. So he's came on at right back. He obviously has played at centre back as well already. And it appears that by trade, he is a, a centre mid. So that versatility is going to help him an awful lot and get him some, some minutes for the first team, as well as obviously playing with, with young QP, which we expect to see him do throughout the season. Um, yeah, so let's move on. There's only a little bit more to talk about. We obviously touched on Naismith's uh, brilliant sort of move at the end of the game. There weren't too many chances in the second half, certainly not going by the highlights anyway. Uh, it looked like we had a couple for Queen's Park and a couple for Inverness. Uh, we had Dom Thomas had a free kick, which uh, he hit off the wall, uh, went out for a corner, never came to anything. But then there was another 
corner that Grant Savory had a chance and it sort of ball dropped him about eight to ten yards out, but it was blocked by also there were so many uh, Cali Thistle defenders back in the box that the shot was blocked and nothing else came of that. Uh, as they, Cali Thistle had a couple of chances themselves. They had they did have one in particular that fell to the number fourteen. I think that's um, is it George Oakley? I think his his name is, um, <laughs> and he had it. So it was from the. Maybe as you guys were looking at it, it had been the right-hand side of the goal, maybe about 12 to 15 yards out, and he nearly put it out for a throw-in. I don't know if either of you remember that that chance in particular. Aye, because he should have scored. Like, he was in a cracking position. He should, have, kinda... he, should have, he should have at least had it out for a goal kick, at least had it towards the goal, but as I say, it, it nearly took the linesman out. Aye, yeah, it was it was a terrible shot, and I think that was a bit sort of representative of some of the the general play that you've seen from Cali Thistle throughout the, the whole game. But yeah... Should have scored, didn't do anything of it, and I had completely forgot that that existed until you mentioned it right there. <laughs> it so, wasn't well, great. Yeah, it wasn't great, but that that then, as you say, that kind of sums up sort of how how Cali Thistle sort of played. Um, you know, there we go. That's full time, and it's one each. We we get the point in the first first game of the season, which um, myself and Enzo predicted last week. Enzo obviously has a little bee in his bonnet because I apparently stole one all off of him. With well, his, I mean, you did. With two each, but you know, no, that's you know, well, we can come back to that later on. We'll talk about that later on. That's fine. But well, the point is, I predicted the correct score. It was the, it was, it was a good result for Queens Park, given that Inverness, you know, they did finish third last year in the championship. They've got pretty much the same team. They, you know, they've not, they've not been weakened. Maybe they've not necessarily improved in the transfer window, but they've certainly not weakened their team. So you'd still expect them to be there or thereabouts. You know, potentially come the end of the year. That's a pretty good result away to them to start the year. Yeah, I would have taken that beforehand, 100%. And then the fact that at half-time, we were sitting there a little bit disappointed not to be ahead. And the fact that at the end, we were still thinking, oh, you know, if, if only we'd taken those chances, you know, we may be coming back down the road with three points. That says a lot about the fact that we clearly have a group of players here that is capable of competing in the championship. And that's what's, that's what's really exciting to me because I, didn't th- I thought it was very unlikely that we would go up there and, and get absolutely pumped right I wasn't I wasn't preparing myself for that but if we'd lost 2-0 3-1 or whatever I don't think many people would have been you know too shocked by that but um we went up and we showed what we're capable of and and I think you know th- there'll be games like that against the bigger and better sides in in the in the league where we'll, we'll go away and we'll shock them we, we might come away with three points instead and as Angel says Callum you know we we obviously came away with a good point and you know we looked pretty good and we competed really well with Inverness. Obviously, we had the, the cup games, which you were a bit of a mixed bag, let's be honest. Obviously, we did really, really well against the League Two teams. We perhaps struggled, well, we certainly struggled against Dundee and we perhaps let ourselves down against Hamilton. But now that obviously the real football starts, this is obviously the first real game of the season. And despite the transfers coming in and out and everything like that, you never know how it's going to go until you get into the football proper you could be playing pre-season for for months it doesn't mean a thing until the games start and to put in as good a performance as that and to be disappointed to not get the three points is incredibly promising for us for this season isn't it yeah absolutely um all i wanted from this game was to kind of feel like we were going to be able to compete with these sort of teams and we did more than that which is really really good and i know we're going to go on to talk about rumors and stuff like that but conceptually we're going to be able to strengthen this squad and it looks like we will hopefully over the next week or two that's just going to make us an even stronger do you know what I mean um there's still a few question marks but every team's going to have that reading the the sort of the forums after the game 
we listened to Inverness fans who had a, an, an odd view on this game, I would say, in terms of uh, some, some odd takes about how the game went. Maybe we were sitting with black and white tinted glasses, I'm not too sure, but um, they seem to think there was a lot more parity or perhaps they were on top. But they're suggesting that they've got a few more players to come back into the team and, and whatnot. So I still think there will be a lot of movement for most teams in the league over the next month. But saying that, it gives me more confidence for the teams in the sort of, I'd, I want to say, the the bottom six. So from ourselves and the, the rest of the league, it makes me think that we should be able to go into these games and have a fair good chance in most of them um, and not be sitting too far down the table. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. And just mentioning the bottom six, I know you wanted to very quickly give yourself a pat on the back end. So although it is only week one of the uh, of the football season, uh, your early take for Wraith Rovers to struggle this year looks like it's it could be off to a good start there. Well, yeah, I don't I don't really know. I mean, it's I, I think you know having read the comments from their fans after the games, they were really really disappointed, and and some of them were suggesting that yeah, unless they make quite a few signings that they seriously strengthen their squad between now and the end of August, then they could seriously be you know toiling down at the bottom of the table. And I'm I'm not massively surprised by this. I mean, I'm I'm not you know it's still too early to say whether my prediction was was on point or not. We've only played one one game. There's still plenty more to go, but you never know. Maybe maybe I was onto something there. Rory McAllister who, eh? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then to be fair to Cove, right, I didn't expect them to, to win on Saturday. I thought I had I had that down as a draw. I thought it was going to be two of the poorer teams in the division with a draw, but it looks as though they've come away with, with quite a, a comfortable win. And I think some of the other results in the division were fairly interesting on, on Saturday, actually. I thought you were about to say, to be fair to Cove, they were right to get rid of Rory McAllister for wanting to miss one game. Oh, in the season. were they? Were they? <laughs> no. Because the guy, the guy is one of the best goal scorers in the Scottish lower leagues for who knows how long. Well, um, the history you know, of... Even the history, I exactly. I mean, if you look back the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, I mean, the guy's 35. I mean, he's scored goals pretty much. I think he's maybe had a couple of bad years, but he's always done very, very well. And the, the guy, I don't know, the guy booked the holidays away for a couple of weeks or whatever. In fact, even I think it was um, the manager said it was missing the Dundee game. So he's maybe That's only right, even missing I, one game as well. That's right. I think it is only one game. And I think it's... I think Jim McIntyre possibly took that quite personally. Do you know that? Because I remember when, when he was announced as the Cove manager... You could, you know, the Dundee fans were rubbing their hands with glee at the opportunity to to uh, give him dogs abuse when they get the chance to play against them. So maybe, maybe he thought, oh no, you know, missing out. This is the one game where I need my players to be at their best, and I'm going to have to have them right up for it. And maybe he was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit annoyed at the, the possibility of McAllister not being there when he needed them most. Let's say so. He thought, now nah, you're out. That's you altogether. Maybe a little bit of a a rash decision, but um, okay, I, I think. I think it is harsh, especially for a part-time player. I think it is. I think I think it is. All it's going to do is help us this season as well. If they're going to miss his fifteen goals this year, or even let's say he's came up the division, let's say ten goals this year, <laughs> Mitch Meganson's not going to be able to do it all himself. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Jim McIntyre, for that. Uh, right, we will move on just now um, because, well, as I say, although it has been a week since we last spoke, we've had quite a few. Uh, quite a few transfer rumours about Queen's Park as well so we're going to have a little look at them and a little look at uh, these players that are, are being mentioned now first things first the the Stephen Eze, um I don't even know what you'd call it at this point it's saga. almost is yeah. it a saga now? 
it must be, I don't know what's longer than a saga, but whatever's <laughs> longer than a saga, it, it continues to roll on. We we hope that there's something in place this week, and I think the sort of latest rumblings and the latest rumours are that we would expect something this week. Um, although we've all got itchy feet to, to get them done, you know, as early as possible. I think we'd all like to maybe see them get involved, if possible, uh, this Friday. Obviously one day less this week. Uh, I think that's to- unlikely though, isn't it, at this stage, even if it's announced, I, I don't know, I suppose it depends on what's holding up, you know, if he's already training with the squad or whatever, and it's just a matter of, of having it all signed off formally, then maybe he will be on the bench, but if he's, you know, this is this is Tuesday night that we're recording this, if he gets announced on Wednesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, even Friday, I, I'm not sure how, re- you know, I, I don't know how realistic it is to expect him to be involved on Friday night, but... You never know. You never know. But yeah, it's been dragging on for quite a while now. And uh, fingers crossed by the time most people are listening to this, it's actually been confirmed. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all very eager to see what he can do for Queen's Park. Uh, That is, of course, assuming it still goes ahead. I might as well just throw that out there. Who knows what will happen, but fingers, fingers, toes, and everything else crossed. Absolutely, everything is crossed that that Stephen Ezzy finally gets over the line and, and we do finally see him for Queen's, but... Yes, we, we continue to wait there. Um, a player that we might not have to wait too much longer for because, uh, so we are recording this, as Angel says, on the Tuesday night, uh, just after 10pm this evening. Uh, and about half an hour ago, uh, Queen's Park posted the match report of the game against uh, the Hibs, Hibs development team, Hibs B, basically, where Queen's Park won 4-2. Scott Williamson with a hat-trick again. Uh, brilliant, the guy can't stop scoring goals what else do we need to say about him and it was also a first goal for I believe the boy's name is Lennon Connolly one of these young players so uh, well done to him Uh, that seems like a good performance there but Enzo you spotted in the background and you're going to talk about uh, the background of one of these photos that looked like a player that has been linked with us uh, on Twitter Yeah so over the past few days there's been been, uh, numerous sources linking us to a player who I think I may actually have spotted in the background of one of the pictures from the, the match against Hibs B team tonight. So I'm not 100% sure it wasn't a great picture and he was quite far back, but the, the player, I believe it was, is a Malachi Boating. So he's, he's just turned 20 years old. He's a defensive midfielder, which I find quite interesting. I think that, that suggests to me that maybe Coyle isn't 100% happy with, with their options in that sort of sitting midfield role. Um he is, or, or has been, the Crystal Palace under-23 captain. So the suggestion is that he's going to be coming in to us on loan because I believe he's still under contract down there. He's not a massive guy. He's only 5 foot 10 or so, but I'm not sure that necessarily matters in that, in that role. Uh, quite highly rated down at Crystal Palace. Now, as far as I'm aware, their youth development programme is kind of in its infancy. It's, it's something that they've started funding a little bit more over the past few years. So they've not really seen too many fruits of that yet. But he was their under-18 and under-23 player in 2019-2020. So they obviously, you know, they, they obviously have pretty decent expectations for him and, and they think he could turn out to be decent. So, yeah, I, I suppose at this point in time, they want him to get some first-team experience and, and maybe Coyle has some connections there. I don't know, from his time down in England, you would imagine that he must have a good few friends that he can call in some favours from. So, yeah. Defensive midfield is a position that we spoke about last yeah. week, I'm sure, Callum, wasn't it? That um, you know, We thought we could, if we were going to see some more signings, that we would see another player there. So, again, it kind of, it kind of adds up there, doesn't it? Yeah, and we touched on it a wee bit today as well when we were talking about Brown and, and Thompson and that we're, I don't think any of us are particularly convinced by either of them right now in defensive midfield. 
So I guess it makes sense that um, Coyle's kind of looking at that and, and thinking, can we strengthen? I don't know what I, I hope from him. I, I, I would love it if he was kind of like that Steve Lawson guy for Hamilton, who I think we pointed out their number 24 when we played them, who just absolutely tidied up everything in yep. midfield. He was a bit of a leader figure as well. And if you're saying, Enzo, that he was... Did you say he was a captain for yeah, the... Yeah, he's the, he's the, he was the captain for the under-23 squad last season. Yeah, so that's like a that's like a sort of natural characteristic for someone. Do you know what I mean? If they've got that ingrained with them. So that hopefully means he's a bit of a leader in the middle of the park. He's got that... I'm hoping he's kind of got that grit and that aggression that I think we maybe miss sometimes. Um, that sort of nastier side. So no, no, I'm... I, Trusting, trusting Coyle and trusting uh, and Bucher that if they if they bring them in that he'll be he'll be ready to fit the bill. You compare yeah. him to Steve Lawson. I compare him to Canis Carroll. To be perfectly honest, I'd, I'd oh, like you still to, miss him a lot. Uh, don't you? I, oh, I loved Canis Carroll. Man. I'm gutted that he was only up here for the COVID year. Never got a, a chance to properly um, have a you good know? song or something with him at the grounds. But yeah, he was a cracking player, wasn't he? He was he was exactly that player that you're talking about where he. He fought. He fought for every single ball. He was full blooded at his tackles and, and and everything like that. He was. He was one of those kind of players that you do. You, you can't not enjoy watching him. You you just know that he's the kind of guy that would have loved the attention from the fans as well. Do you know like a proper kind of Mick Dunlop type uh, type of mm. character? Um. So yeah, it's, it's a shame that we never really got to to experience that with him. But um, I think he went back down south because, as far as I'm aware, he was he was a bit homesick and he wanted to go back to. I think he ended up playing. In, Oxford. Quite, uh, quite, uh, Oxford, I'm sure. Oxford yeah, City. Or? No, it was it was the who's the who's the rubbish team in Oxford? The one that's in like the seventh or eighth or ninth tier or something like that. Because they've got a, maybe a League One side, and then they've got one a few a few divisions below that as well. It was the the lower of the two that ended up going to play for. Uh, no, it's Oxford City. Oxford City. Oxford City the, right, okay. I think Oxford United are the the decent one. Right. Okay. My my knowledge of of lower league English of English football in general isn't uh, isn't great. So so there we go. <laughs> Well, that's fine. You make up for it with a, a semi-decent knowledge of Scottish football, so we'll let you away with it. That's fine. Um, so we do have an, another player that, uh, again, has been linked on Twitter. So this was posted by the, the Daily Record. I think it was, again, last Thursday or Friday uh, last week. It's Brian Kinnear, who is a, a goalkeeper, who now I, I haven't quite worked out if he was actually still with West Ham or if he's formerly with West Ham. Uh, it seemed to be a little bit conflicting. But either way, he was... He has played with West Ham's B team, so obviously the, the Premier League, the under-23s, or the Premier League 2, I think they call it. Uh, he actually, as well, so he, he grew up in, he's, he is Scottish, he's capped for Scotland under-21s, and he came through the Rangers youth system before joining West Ham. But he actually had a very brief spell out on loan uh, for Annan Athletic during the 2021 season. Now, he only played one league game for Annan, it just so happened that that one league game was against Queen's Park. It was at the um, the Falkirk Stadium, obviously when we were going through that period when we were there. Queen's Park won 1-0. I went back and looked at the highlights. Now, there's not much happen in that game. Um, even when you go back and you find the Pine Bovril thread for that game, every Queen's Park fan, uh, I think, to put it best, says that the performance was pretty torturous. And it was when we were going through that that peak period of Rainbow, where yeah, where hmm. we were, we got the three points, and obviously it took us towards the league title and everything there. But the game itself was pretty, pretty rough. Uh, there wasn't much really on the highlights from Kinnear. 
There was one. There was what. There was one instance where uh, he came sort of charging out the box and tried to clear the ball and put it straight to Simon Murray, I think, um, which obviously doesn't bode well when we're talking about maybe our goalkeepers and their distributions. So yeah, he's maybe certainly that game there. He had that mistake there, but again, he never really had any saves to make in those highlights. So he wasn't really at fault for the goal. It was a, a Simon Murray header uh, to win one 0 that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, your thoughts on potentially bringing in a keeper who. Although he hasn't played an awful lot of football, he he obviously came through the ranks at Rangers and then he went down to, to England and joined West Ham. So, you know, a, a decent setup. They must obviously have had some kind of high hopes from him at some point. Yeah, they must have they must have you know, they must have seen something in him when they decided to take him down down to London. Um I think, Callum, you we were talking about this the other day. He's not the only keeper that we've been linked with over the past week or so. Because there's the other rumour, and this is uh, Jacob Carney, I believe it is, who plays for under, uh, Sunderland under-23s, sorry. And, and I don't really know what the deal is with that, because that's been mentioned in the media three or four times now over the past month and a half or so. Uh, but it does suggest to me, the fact that both of these rumours have cropped up again, around about the same time, suggests to me that, you know, I, I don't know whether it's a backup to Ferry, whilst, whilst Ferry continues his development in the background with, the, with young QP, um, or whether it's somebody to, to challenge him for that number one jersey, I don't know. But it does kind of suggest to me that we are looking to, to bring somebody else in in that role. I think it would be quite interesting to see whether we're bringing these guys in as, as loan signings or actual signings, because I think I would find it weird for... Because I know you were saying, David, it was quite a bit unclear whether the, the first guy, Kinnear, had actually left West Ham. Um, it would be a bit weird for us to take somebody on loan from a club like that to not start him. Um, but similarly, these guys are only, I think both of those keepers are only 21. Um, Ferry's 24. Heger is younger than that. I think he's 19 or something like that. So it's a pretty young goalkeeping sort of trio that we have there. Um, but if we're signing either of them, I would be more than happy with that. I would. I said in the previous episode that I'm really keen on is signing young guys that we're wanting to develop and keep. Um, and hopefully the club kind of goes down a, a similar elk. Um, but I think it would be good for Ferry to have competition and another option off the bench. I, from what I've seen, I don't want to be disrespectful to Hegarty because what I've seen of him has actually been quite good. Enzo and I were at that game last season against Airdrie just before Ellis got sacked. Um, and he'd done very, very well there. But he's still a very, very young guy. And I think it would be a bit unfair to, um, if Ferry got injured, to expect him to jump in for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, I think I agree with that as well, Kelm. Um, I mean, I've seen him playing uh, with the East Coast Bride Friendly a, a few weeks ago, um, where, we'll also mention it, obviously we had the trialists who we believe to be um, the... Barbados International, Omani Leacock, but it looks like, well, he wasn't named as a trial. Well, we don't believe he was named as one of the two trialists for the Hibs game that happened most recently. Not seen anything else on him, so we've got to assume that maybe that trial is finished with uh, with nothing coming of it, unfortunately, for him. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's still, a, I always say, have thought it's a little bit strange that we only have the two goalkeepers at the moment. We've got Callum Ferry and we've got Jack Herity, who they seem to be the Queen's Park first 11 goalkeeper and young Queen's Park goalkeeper because especially of his age, as you see, I'm sure he is about 18, 19, whatever he is there. Uh, he definitely still, I mean, he could, I think he could well jump in and he could deputise for Ferry if required. But yeah, if it's coming for a prolonged period or anything like that, you maybe want him maybe developing in the 
in the background, so to speak, in the wings, rather than actually maybe being forced into the football at this young age. I don't know if that's just a load of nonsense, to be perfectly honest. But regardless, I think it is always a little bit strange to only have the two goalkeepers. You would definitely want three, at, at least three for that split between first team and reserve football, as well as having that little bit of competition. Just having the two of them, the two are very clearly in their defined roles. There's almost little to no pressure on either. There needs to be at least a third body in there to, to sort of mix it up a little bit. So yeah, whether if either one of these keepers come through, um, let's hope that they're, they're good. And yeah, they can, all three of them, develop and, and improve for Queen's Park. Was it a trialist that was in goals tonight? For the... to be, yeah, so when the, when the squad was listed, I will uh, I will load it up just now. But yeah, when there's when it was listed, so it had trialist as the very very first name on the the squad list, and it seemed to be listed in position order. So we'll go through it just now. I've got it here. So it was in order: trialist, Mocking, Naismith, Bannon, Bruce. So there's your right back, centre back, centre back, left back. Um, Gregor Nicol, Louis Longridge. Trialist, Jarrett and uh, Moore and then Williamson up front so again it's that 4-2-3-1 it's 4-3-3-4-5-1 whatever you want to call it it's that exact same formation that exact same system 4-5 and then Williamson up front who again let's just say scored his hat-trick great <laughs> got to oh. see that guy keep scoring goals he's got <laughs> he, he's he obviously got on. He did come off the bench against Inverness. He didn't really have too much to do. He didn't have a lot of service towards the end of the game. But if he keeps doing this for um, for the B team, it's only a matter of time before Coyle has a serious decision to make about who starts up front for us. Especially if we are only playing one up front. I think that's now eight goals that he scored. I've seen someone in post in Pine Bovril that um, eight goals he scored since the start of the preseason games this year, which is. Which is nuts, really. I mean, there's some very, very decent teams in there as well. And as you mentioned, the the game tonight, there was some first-team players in that squad. So it wasn't just a bunch of kids that he was scoring against. Um, No, you're absolutely right. Just back to the keeper one for two seconds. I did point out, see when we were at the game on Saturday, Enzo, that there was a keeper cutting about that I had no idea who it was. Yeah, I remember. I'm wondering if that was Kinnear, because it certainly wasn't. Looking at the pictures, the pictures that I've seen on Google today, I think that might have been him. Right, okay, fair enough. Well, if that's the case, then then it would add up, and it would also possibly make sense that he has been released by West Ham. Um, unfortunately, if you go through the list of the, if you go through the 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 pictures from the games earlier on today against Hibsby, there are none of our goalkeeper, so it's difficult to to have a look and, and figure out if it is him. But it, it it all kind of sounds as though it makes sense. You know, he, he was in and around the squad got the chance to to actually play today against Hibs B and maybe at some point over the next day or two we can expect to see Kinnear uh, announced. Yeah, absolutely. We'll need to see if any of these rumours uh, come come to anything. We'd obviously hope that there's there's some more announcements made prior to the air game on Friday um, because we, we obviously love to see some new players coming in. Um, but then, yeah, let's, let's move on and let's talk about the upcoming game this week. So it is Air United at, air quote, home end their quotes through an awful view uh, is the first of the, the f- we don't know how many potential Friday night games there are I think from what I've heard from people who have spoken to people at the club and everything like that that they hope this will be the only one we're yet to see if that is true at all but anyway it is air at home 
this Friday night. Now, while we criticise the club and moan at the club because we don't know maybe what's happening, we have to give credit where credit is due. And the club announced um, on Monday, I believe it was this week, that they have, following feedback, they have decided to change the the buses that are laid on for supporters. And it's no longer just members and season ticket holders. It's now anybody that has a ticket to the game, which is the... It's obviously the way that it should have been from day one. Um, so I can't, we can't congratulate them way too much for that. But at the same time, it's good that they have listened. It's good they've taken it on board. And it's a way to help get some more fans through, especially after a positive result last week. It may well encourage more people to get through. And now that it's going to make it a little bit easier for them to get through Talk of You, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, like you say, that's the way it should have been. That's the decision they should have made from the start. But... You know, I'm I'm all for slating the club when they make mistakes and when they get things wrong. At the same time, when they hold their hands up and say, "Listen, you're right. We, we've made a mistake here, and we're going to change that," then then they did they do deserve praise for that. And and I can only say, fair enough. That's it's good that they're taking feedback on board. And fingers crossed. I know we've said this a couple of times over the past few months, or possibly going back even longer than that. I know we've said this before. Let's hope that this is this is the beginning of them starting to sort of mend mend the relationship that they have with existing fans and because I know that there's a lot of frustration around the, the decision makers and the decisions that have been made at the club recently regarding a whole host of different subjects but you know I, I'm just I'm, I'm really positive and hopeful that this is the start of, of getting things back on track again Yeah absolutely and I think it kind of shows why fans both via email talking to people at the club even the forums, all that sort of stuff, do need to continue to make these points when there are clearly glaringly obvious issues um, because they, they do reference in that sort of communication that they put out about the buses that, based on fan feedback, they, they've kind of changed it. So it's good that they are recognising that there there was a problem, they're taking on board the feedback and, and they've rectified it. And hopefully, hopefully that's the start of a, a trend um, to kind of... <laughs> I don't know, make make a lot of people feel a little bit less reticent towards the club um, because there's so much to be excited about this season and it's really, really frustrating when you see that getting overshadowed on a sort of semi-regular basis of off-the-field shenanigans. Well, yeah. speak, speaking of off-the-field shenanigans, uh, I know that I sent you guys a couple of pictures that I took on my evening stroll around Lesser Hamden the other night and, and it does look as though there's been a degree of development. Now, I, I don't know exactly what it is. It looks as though maybe they've put up the structure that's going to be the turnstiles to get into the stand. I, I'm not 100% sure, but it makes it feel a lot bigger. It's progress. It went up fairly quickly and, I, and I'm hopeful, maybe I shouldn't be after, <laughs> after everything over the past couple of years, but I'm hopeful that this is a step in the right direction and maybe, I don't know, we might even see some seats or something put in shortly. <laughs> I have no idea. Something as crazy as that. That'll be when it definitely starts feeling real because at this moment in time, even as you say, Enzo, okay, yeah, that big structure's gone up in the corner and it maybe is beginning to be fleshed out a little bit and starting to look a little bit like a stadium. It's it's still to the untrained eyes that, well, I certainly have and I assume that the two of you have as well. It doesn't look like it's anywhere near completed. It could well be that it's actually all very quick stuff to be done and, and maybe it's sorted in a few weeks. That would be amazing. But yeah, um, until we start seeing some real progress or as we were just talking about, get some kind of progress report from the club, which would be brilliant. Even if they just said, look, here's the stage that we're at in the building. You've got this, this and this left to go. That might roughly take six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And it gives people just a, a little, a rough idea of where to look forward to. 
you know, yeah. uh, something like that would be, you know, you, you would love that. Yeah, I feel as though we've gone a little bit off track here, though, because I think what we were doing was we were actually we were actually giving the club credit for something good that they've done, and then we started to complain again. So right, we have. Sorry, but we'll get back on track. Let's get back on track. Let's go and look then ahead to Air United, as I say, at home on Friday night at Ockleview. So their result on Saturday there, so they drew nil nil with Arbroath. Um, through in, in air. Uh, our both were actually down to 10 men for the last about 10-15 minutes or so and I believe it was, was it Ricky Little that got sent off I think as well for, for our both so um, they they didn't manage to take advantage of that and I mean how do you think that, that how do you think we're going to do let's see let's, let's dive straight in how do you think we're going to do this Friday so we've come up against a team that perhaps struggled in their first game we spoke about their transfer window previously you may be not quite sure what's going on with them they obviously lost their top goal scorer from last year they perhaps not replaced him we're coming off the back of a pretty positive result um, I know how you're both going to say it's going to go but how would you both like it to go well I think you know what? You make a very good point there, David. They've obviously not replaced Tommy Adeloy, and that seems to be the, the general kind of consensus among the United support at the minute. Unfortunately, I, I did a bit of digging and I couldn't find any highlights from that game on Saturday. I don't know if maybe they've just not been posted yet or it's not something that they as a club do. I, I'm not sure. I would have expected every club in this in this division to, to be at least sharing highlights within a, few, within a few days of the match having taken place. Either way, the, the general kind of opinion seems to be that they are absolutely toothless going forward. You know, they, they couldn't even break down a 10-man or both team. And I think we really need to take advantage of this. It doesn't sound as though we're going to have to be super tight at the back compared to, you know, maybe playing against Inverness or playing against Dundee who are going to take... You give them a half chance, they'll take it. So as long as we can be decent at the back, and I know that we're capable of that, as long as we can play fairly competently at the back... This, to me, is a good opportunity to get our first three points of the season. I don't know specifically what changes Coyle is going to make. I don't know what your thoughts are on this, um, obviously, going into the game on Friday. But I would I would be tempted to play two up front. I would I would like to see that. I've said this before, that I'd love to see Williamson and Murray start a game. I think it would be really exciting. I think it would be fruitful. But I don't think he'll do it right now. I think he'll be desperate to get a solid win on the board. He won't want us to leave ourselves particularly open um, against air. I wouldn't be surprised if the guys are fit, whether if we start with the exact same lineup that we started against Inverness, perhaps, perhaps swapping out Thompson for Jarrett might make some sense. Possibly Brown um, for Jarrett. I don't think he's going to do that. I mean, Brown did stay on for the bulk. Did he stay on for the entire game against Inverness? I can't. I can't. He remember. did. I think so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was. It was Thompson that he swapped out for Jarrett at halftime. Yeah, so I don't think he'll, he'll swap Brown out, if I'm honest. I think Thompson seems to be the one that gets substituted off and swapped mm-hmm. out a wee bit more often. But similar to you, Enzo, I, I I think we should be going into this hoping to win um, potentially by a couple of goals. We've got a I lot think- of a lot of guys that are kind of primed and ready to go and from what it sounds like, they aren't quite at that stage yet. Yeah, I think they're going to be quite stuffy and difficult to break down and, and I feel as though they're going to come... I was going to say come here, they're going to come to Oakleview with the intention of making it difficult for us and hoping to sneak a goal if they, if we happen to, you know, get a bit, I don't know, slack at the back and, and give them any kind of opportunity. But I, I don't think they're going to really go for it at all. The, the same way we've seen Inverness and Dundee and to a lesser extent even Hamilton go for it against us. So it's going to be a very difficult game, a, a very different, excuse me, game. But I, I think we can, I think we can definitely get a win. 
That is a good point, actually, because see, when you think of what we struggled against in the last couple of seasons, it's been less so against teams where they're on more of a par with us in terms of ability. Like last season when we played Cove, we matched up pretty well against them. It was the teams that sat behind the ball that we just couldn't break down. And that's where I'm really hoping the likes of Thomas and McPake are going to have a big impact this season if we do come up against teams who are a bit more sort of like 10-man behind the ball approach, that we've got those guys that can make that sort of breakthrough as opposed to the sort of sideways passing, which we were kind of got used to last yeah. season. We definitely yeah. did. And I mean, as well, when it, when you look at our lineup, and I will just say, I've just double-checked, it wasn't Ricky Little, so apologies to the former Queen's Park player. And I always quite like Ricky Little. Apologies to him. It wasn't him, it was his defensive partner, um, somebody O'Brien. I don't know. I just looked that up, but there we go. So apologies, Ricky. You're still a good guy. Um, as for our centre-halves, well, maybe we'll have a, a, a question mark over lethal day again, because obviously he went off injured. Last time he went off injured, he was then unable to make the, the next game, obviously against Hamilton and Alex Bannon came in. Would you like to see Alex Bannon come in or given Naismith came on, played pretty well, obviously had his, you know, his very clever yellow card and, and perhaps as well, when you think about it, Alex Bannon came on, maybe didn't have his best game. Uh, it's very harsh to say that. It's his second appearance for the club. But who would you rather have if Kilday is not available? Who would you rather put in at centre-half, Naismith or Bannon? I don't know. I think I would be, I'd be all right giving Bannon the chance to, to, to start again, you know, especially considering, and I, I'm going you know, off what I've, I've read here fans say online because I've not been able to see any of the game especially considering they, they do seem to be really, really poor going forward, then I, th- I think you'll, I think Bannon will be more than good enough and I, and I think he can definitely step up against against a side like that. There's still a bit of me, though, that wants to see what Naismith is about. I don't think he's played a full game yet. Um, that, not, well, that, that I've seen anyway. Not, not, I know he's played in a few of the, the youth games because he was playing tonight as well, wasn't he? Um, but I kind of want to see him for a full game to get a wee bit of a better assessment, because I feel like we have been a wee bit harsh on him, given how little game time he's actually had. So it would be kind of good, perhaps against a team that is more at our level than the the likes of Inverness or Dundee and, and whatnot, um, to see how he gets on in a, in a full game and kind of what he offers. That's why I thought it was an interesting question, because as you say, Callum, you're absolutely right. I mean, Naismith hasn't really had a, a lot of first team minutes um, so far with us. Uh, Bannon obviously came on or started against Hamilton, obviously played the game there and, and played excellently, but then he came on against Inverness, maybe just jumping into the game, you know, 75 minutes in or so, whatever it was. Uh, you know, he maybe wasn't, I don't know, maybe wasn't ready for the for the speed of the game or something. I don't know if it's anything like that. So I just thought it was maybe a, an interesting uh, point there. I mean, I personally, I think I would actually still be siding with the, uh, the youth kind of element in the youth prospect here of the team I would be looking to give Bannon the minutes if it's possible um, but you do make a good point it would be good to see Jason A. Smith get a little bit of a run out longer than you know a substitute appearance here and there and, and see what he is capable of so aside from the potential question marks at centre half uh, and I suppose the centre well, I suppose we've already touched would you start two up front would you have Murray and Williamson we've actually talk, talked about the, the centre mids as well and centre halves. Either of you get any other positional sort of dramas you like to throw up and see if see if there's see if we can create something here. Um, no, I think if I'm if I'm being completely honest with you, uh, my expectation is that on Friday night we'll see take the team that started against uh, take the team that started against Inverness on Saturday, replace Cole Day with I think you'll start Bannon. So replace Cole Day with Bannon, 
replace Thompson with Jarrett, and, and I think that's how we'll. I think that's how we'll line up. You agree with that, Cal? I think I do. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we do end up signing uh, Botang at some point this week if he plays any part in the game, um, or if he's still in that sort of trial period where he may, he might be a sort of week or so down the line. Because given what we've seen with Thompson and Jarrett, there's clearly a bit of sort of not convinced with how we're setting up there. Um, but yeah, aside from that, I, I agree completely with Enzo. It'd be good to get... So should we move on to what your actual prediction? So I decided to make a league table off of my... Uh, off of what we put last season. So I can set you up for a wee fight because you're going to get points based off of your, your your actual scores. So basically, so, hold on. Oh. David, David's going to get points because I predicted a one each and then I was kind enough to let him have it and swapped a two each. Y- yes, yes, exactly Brilliant. that. So that's what you get for being a nice guy, essentially. Right, okay. Well, so that's last, fine then. As long as week. David goes last this time again and right, I'm not changing for him. That's fine. Okay, <laughs> so, so last week... Um, it was obviously Inverness v Queens. Enzo predicted a two-two draw. I did it, dearie me. Um, David predicted one-one, and I predicted two-nil to Queens because I'm a I'm a idiot. Well, I, I predicted one-one, nothing to do with it because I'm a genius and I knew it was going to be one-all. Ah, so, all the sour grapes and everything. Look, just because just because you're 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 behind me already in the league table, look, that's it. You know, just, just get over it. I know, I know. It's it's, it's tragic, it's really. Fine. Um, but that that I'll puts David <laughs> that puts David top of the table with uh, three points. Enzo has one point for guessing the correct like not the correct score but the correct result, and me sitting dead last with zero. So Enzo, to stop any tears, you can go first this week. Right? Okay. I'm feeling bold. I'm feeling oh, bold. Um, and I'm gonna go with an outrageous prediction of. 4-0 Queen's Park on Friday night. That That is... Love it. And I'm yeah. going with goals from Simon Murray, Grant Savory, Dom Thomas, and somebody a bit unconventional, like possibly... I was going to say Jake Davidson, but it's not that unconventional. He seems to be a bit of a goal scorer. So yeah, I'm going to go with Davidson and, and I take back the unconventional point. All right, right. I like that. I like that. David? I'm going to take 2-0 Queen's. Um, give me uh, for goal scorers. Are we getting are we getting bonus points for goal scorers as well, Kelm? Is this is this part can, of the? I can add a column to my spreadsheet if you want. Oh, love it, love it. In that case, give me give me McPake to make up for the Inverness game. Give me give me Scott Williamson coming off the bench for a goal as well. Nice, like it, like it. Um, and for myself, I have went for three one Queens. So I think something will go wrong at some point. Um, but I'm hoping to see Williamson score at least one. I'll go for one, and I reckon Thomas will get his first goal, and Murray will score as well. Because um, I need I need Williamson to start scoring if he's going to get in uh, the top five goal scorers for the championship this season. As I, as I, I get started, there. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, excellent. Well, that um, that 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 finishes our our summary of well the Inverness game, our transfer window, uh, latest news, and a preview of the air game. The last thing that I have to ask you both is well, given that we're playing on a Friday night, what are you going to do with your spare Saturday? I don't know, but do you know what's funny? Actually, I was saying I was saying to Callum earlier. Obviously, for all the grumbles about the game being on the Friday night, now that I'm excited about it, I'm actually quite pleased that it's coming a day earlier than what it would have otherwise. 
I don't know. Probably find some some other game to watch on the Saturday afternoon. It's a shame we don't have the we don't have the streams anymore because otherwise I might have watched a different championship game. But that's not an option. I know it is a bit weird. Whenever we've had Friday night games before, I've very much been in the same camp. It's kind of like the excitement of getting the the, the football a day earlier, and then you wake up on the Saturday and you're seeing everyone getting ready for the games, and you're like, ah. Um. So yeah, no idea. What about you, David? Um, as long as I'm not dragged to IKEA or anything like that, which tends to be what happens if I've got a spare Saturday, um, I'll be happy. Uh, I am going to be along. I will see you both at Aquaview. Uh, despite the fact that the buses are getting put on, I think I'm going to be getting the train through, just purely with um, combining it with a, a work in the office day. So I might as well just get the train the whole way through. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Saturday will probably, given that I'm doing that, be spent most of the day in my bed. And I'll wake up in the afternoon and, and sort of take it from there. So either way, looking forward to it. This year first at Ochoview for the season? Uh, for this season, yeah. I never went to the two games in the, the Cup. Right. Um, and yeah, obviously this is the first league game, the first home game. So yeah, yeah, first trip to Ochoview this season. Uh, thankfully, the trains are back running normally. Um, but yeah, maybe next time I'll get the bus. Who knows? Nice. So there we go. Um, Callum and Enzo, thank you very much for... Uh, for your for your opinions and for keeping us all on the straight and narrow um to everybody listening thank you very much for listening along we've tried to make this one a little bit shorter than our, our previous um epics that we've had uh we're not going over two hours or anything like that this time so thank you very much for listening hopefully you found it a, a good listen and you can of course find us on twitter at spiders talk pod we have got the queen's park fans forum which is spiderstalk.com and as well, you will find us all on Pie and Bovril in the Championship Forum, posting under the Queen's Park threads. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you all again next week. Thanks for listening. Cheers. See you later. Play for the sake of the game.